And welcome to another episode of We'll See You in Hell. I am Joe DeRosa. Across from me is my dear friend and lover. Lover first, friend second. Yes, I think so. Patrick Walsh. uh, We're here tonight to talk to you about classic De Palma film called The Fury. As you know, we do it on this podcast. We review, we commentate, and we discuss uh, uh, all of the big horror fantasy sci-fi things. So I think we should get on with the show, Pat. Joe, let's, and while we do, let's get on with a Joe-ho-ho. Ho. Now, what was that a reference to? Well, I remembered at the last second I was supposed to do like a 90s pop hit like I did in the last one. Oh, yeah. But my brain is dead, and I couldn't think of one, so I did sort of a Pirates uh, Sea Shanty style greeting. <laughs> Like a yo ho ho. I thought, I thought you were going to go Three Stooges with it, like the Joe. Oh, oh. Well, no, that would involve you and maybe Con here, the dog. Um, I thought you were going to do all three voices at once. No, because you're that good, Pat. No. Uh, yes, the Weka Geka was my favorite to date. I don't think you're ever going to top it, to be honest. <laughs> it was unexpected, even to me. Uh, how are you, Pat? I'm fine, Joe. Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm working. I got less than two weeks left at this job that has nearly brought me to my knees. <laughs> Can't wait to be done. And speaking of being brought to my knees, no, this isn't uh, this isn't uh, about the timely climate we live in, folks. <laughs> uh, oh, there goes the phone. Oh, good, and it's glass down did you did you thankfully your i took my case off a few days ago no it's fine it's fine right. but uh friday night we go i'm at the taping of my show and i asked the stage manager i said hey do i have time to go take a piss she's like yes you got about five minutes i walk out i'm in the restroom i'm pissing and i hear the eh, that indicates the scene is about to start Ugh. I have to be there for this. So I'm about halfway done. I clip the stream. Miserable. There's like four or five crew guys, and it's the crew bathroom, so there's always like three inches of nondescript liquid on the floor. Yeah. And it always, like, it's the kind of restroom where you always hear someone go like, and then like a giant <laughs> fart. <laughs> just like and people just being disgusting. If I may for a second interject. That's my only problem with unisex bathrooms because <laughs> they were all over Amsterdam when I was there. And I thought it was yeah. very forward and very cool. But, you know, and I'm like, hey, I'm in the one stall. Ladies in the next. We're all sharing. Everything's good. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't need the woman to, that I'm attracted to to hear me going. Ah, oh, Christ. Well, see, I oh, never felt yeah. the need to make such noises in the restroom. I make a lot of noise in the restroom. Certainly not in public. And, uh, you know, it was just like, it was gross. I, I clipped the stream, which is already unpleasant. It's disgusting. I, I zip, I button, yeah. I turn, I take two steps, and I turf out so hard, slipping in the three inches of bathroom f- floor liquid, and came down so fucking hard that several grown men were like, stopped their streams to turn and make sure I was okay. <laughs> Because it it sounded and looked terrible, and I came down very very hard. I don't know if I've broken a rib, but I may have. I can't sleep on it. Breaking ribs, they just tell you to just leave it, and it'll fix itself. Something went wrong with Is my that rib. What they save with a broken rib. They do. You All can't, right. can't do anything for it. Right. Both my knee and my rib are in excruciating pain. And I didn't need it. I just didn't need that added to my life. Well, this is like the time the week before we shot. Yes. Uh, I, I went to uh, executive. The, folks, this was before I was fired. <laughs> uh, the week before we shot the pilot, I went to uh, executive producer Johnny Galecki's house. Yes. For some celebratory drinks. Yes. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Pat. I had a few. Sure. I had quite a few. That's all right. And... Uh, I believe he had a no shoes in the house policy. Okay. I was excited to be in Galecki's house. I'm zipping all over the place. We're it's having a great time. Palatial estate. Yeah. And I went down some hardwood stairs and took a nasty spill. Just landed right on my back. Uh, I had a big bruise the whole week we were taping. 
And then I uh, threatened to sue. No, I'm kidding. The, uh, <laughs> he should. He's got a lot of money. No, the, uh, but I had a big bruise on my back the entire week we taped, and I felt the same way that you're talking about. I was like, I, did I break something? Like, yeah. It's, it's not bad. a good feeling. No. Yeah. I, and I, I should probably go. I just don't have the time. But I, I just, uh, I already just felt so weak and exhausted, and then this just really exacerbated it. And let me tell you how, uh, how I coolly covered for my spill. So I'm lying basically in a pile of uh, grown men urine. <laughs> my, my slacks damp. And he still hasn't changed, people. <laughs> I did. I can smell it. And I stand up. I look around the room and go, boy, you really ought to get a mop in here, huh? <laughs> That's how I chose to diffuse the awkwardness. Right. Well, now you write just... that into a script for next season. <laughs> Boy, they, they could really use a mop in here, huh? Applause break. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm fine. I'm fine. Good. I'm glad you're fine. Uh, and you look and you're looking fine. Oh, thanks. And I mean that in a sex way. No, I got it. I mean that in a, in a in a in a in an inappropriate sex way. I take every compliment sexually, and it's in our workplace very well. We are in the workplace, folks. Uh, as you know, the show's coming to you live from the thick, uncut dick house. <laughs> um now joe yeah why did you tell matt lauer to do what he did i wanted him off the show (laughs) i was up for that job at the same time he was you've got a face for mornings i've always said it Uh, morning television i've got a voice for it too yeah and hey like very hung like maybe still drunk even yeah it started yeah. At like 4 a.m yeah yeah dried coke on the nostril <laughs> the uh yeah. he uh he um i was up for that gig yeah and uh i it was in the bag they said it was pretty much my job i it was right. mine pop the champagne and then in comes this young hot shot right matt lauer thinking his shit doesn't stink it stinks and uh you know he gets up under me and takes the gig uh now, Lauer, also, I also here's another thing I'm pissed about. I had patented the lock the office from the inside. But <laughs> that was yours. Yeah. And he never he never gave me any credit or money for that. Right. So that that pissed me off, too. I understand that. Yeah. Um, Lauer worked at 30 Rock when I was there in 2003, four. And a friend of mine who, of course, I will not name what worked in his circle in the NBC News division. And he called out to her. He's like, you got to come in here. This is an attractive young lady, my age at the time, 23 or something. Mm-hmm. Hey, you got to come in here and check this out. You got to come in here and check this out. She goes into his office. He says, shut the door. Looking back, perhaps he used the secret activation <laughs> dungeon lock. We don't know. <laughs> and he had her sit with him and watch the Paris Hilton night vision blowjob video. And he didn't know her. This is not. So, this no, is. He knew her. She she worked beneath him in the department. Beneath, literally. Yeah. But is this? And but finally, I mean, she was like, "I think I'd like to go." And he's like, "But can you believe this? Just check it out. Just check it out." That's but, very inappropriate. Heard the story fifteen years ago. Is this somebody he's like friends with, like, and being like, "Isn't this nuts?" Or is it somebody that he's doesn't know that well? No, I guess. But now, what workplace would you be in where you would ask a female, even friend, to come watch pornography on your computer? I don't. Are, are you that dumb? I don't think I ever would. No. Uh, but, like, and if I did, it wouldn't be in a in a seducting, seducing right. kind of way. Certainly, it would be if like, you were not in a, a power position over her. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. I guess that's. I've never yeah. watched much porn at work. I can't even imagine. Partly because I work at Warner Brothers, and if you bring up anything questionable, a picture of uh, Sylvester the cat pops up on your screen and says "Thuffer and Thuckatash." <laughs> I remember once playing. Uh, when we worked at when Matt McCarthy and I worked at the Pete Holmes show together, oh, you, did you ever get a thuffer and thuckatash? Huh? Did you ever get a thuffer and thuckatash? No. Is that real? Yeah. If you look up anything questionable, no, no, it I never pops up, up and it goes to the WB headquarters that you've looked at something questionable. Oh no, I never. I've gotten it. It was never porn. It would be like googling some actress or something, and it would be like, wait. No, a I never. Uh, I never looked at anything in a, or knowingly inappropriate. But one, there was a day where we. Uh, we found that we were like on we had some downtime. We were on YouTube and we found this Andrew Dice Clay special that we had never seen or heard of. Okay. I was like, what is this, man? And uh so we started watching it. I think Dice is very funny. And uh 
and you know we're laughing and then he suddenly launches into this real hard real hard joke about chinese people okay. <laughs> and we couldn't dive on the mute button fast enough sure. so then that's when we learned the lesson that you don't watch andrew dice clay in the workplace right you know well see yeah that's inappropriate and you can get fired for it meanwhile uh a movie they're heavily pushing for the Oscars this year, Downsizing, contains uh, an equally horrific portrayal of uh, of Asian American people. I will say we were in a comedy room and we were watching comedy, so it was probably fine. But the you know, Supreme and I know Court, that I Dice ruled is a, in favor of most things that happen in a, yeah, in a comedy the, writers' room, but people let it go too far. Um, <clears throat> the uh, but I'm well. Pat is tired, folks. I bought a 1983 Star Wars arcade cabinet. The, the it's the that's the joy of my life. I mean, this is my life's blood at this point. <laughs> uh, it's the greatest thing I've ever Mother's purchased. Milk. Yeah, it's 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 the it's a prized possession. It's it's everything to me. Pat didn't know I was buying it. Hadn't been here since I bought it. Walks in. I mean, almost circles the thing four times, and finally I go, Pat, are I'm, you going to mention sitting next to it? <laughs> You got to mention the elephant in the room. There's a giant Star Wars arcade cabinet suddenly just sitting in this room. Your favorite chair is gone. Yeah. It's upstairs now. Uh, you're sitting in a much shittier chair. That's true. But um, I don't notice things. I'm poor, I'm, I, I'm not I, the guy who's like, oh, honey, you got your hair cut. Tell me you got your hair cut. I'll tell you it looks nice. Bitch. But I'm probably not going to notice. That's it. how you phrase it, too, which I don't agree with. That's right. Tell me you got your hair cut, bitch. <laughs> don't make me do all the damn work. <laughs> it's a give and give. Hey, what do you say? Take and take. What do, we, what do you say we put all this... This nasty talk aside and take a trip together. You mean over to Pat's Movie Corner, Joe? I'd like to go with you. Alright, I saw the new Woody Allen picture Wonder Wheel. And I think I mentioned this to you, but not on the podcast. Um... It stars as a married couple, Kate Winslet and Jim Belushi. <laughs> Jim Belushi is supposed to be like the Marlon Brando and streetcar thing, except Oof. this is Jim Belushi walking around the entire movie in a skin tight wife beater. Um, way fatter than I've ever seen him. And just like uh, he's dying, he's, the whole movie is like, I just want a drink. I need a drink. And then Winslet's like, I know I need a drink, too. Do they drink? Are they sober or something? They're, they're sober because you get the feeling things were bad when they drank, but then they steadily turn to the bottle. His, Who the hell doesn't anymore? I know. His daughter, her stepdaughter, played by Juno Temple, the lovely, as all, believe it or not, folks, a beautiful young actress in a Woody Allen movie. No, wait. It's her daughter, his stepdaughter. No, it's her stepdaughter, his daughter. Okay. She married him fairly recently. But she knows the daughter. She is having an affair with Justin Timberlake, who is playing a Jewish lifeguard. Yes. Winslet is having an affair with a a Jewish Justin Timberlake. Okay. Who is good when being the narrator and then bad when he has to act in the movie. He narrates the movie? The first shot, it like pans up him like Henry Hill style. And he's like, there I was on the boardwalk. 1955. It's an odd narration track because the film does take place in 1955. Yet Timberlake is like, what's up, yo? <laughs> yeah. I'm in this movie, yo. I, I ever tell you my story about him and Cammy Diaz in the no. elevator? No, but there, I could, I, I'd be hard pressed to think of two people I'd like to let meet less <laughs> than, who, than who Cameron like Diaz. Let you what? Who I'd like to meet less oh, yeah, well, than Cameron him. Diaz and Justin Timberlake. Well, I met Cammy, of course, in the infamous uh, James Lipton story. Yes. But Cameron Diaz was hosting SNL and I was working at SNL and Timberlake was the he was her guest and he also did the Bee Gees talk show sketch. Living it up. Living it up talk show. Very timely sketch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never understood it. It was kind of funny, but I never understood what they were doing. Right. Um so Afterwards, I had to take them in the elevator, not just down to the street, because this was fucking Timberlake in his prime. 
I had to take them down to the secret under the building, uh, like helipad. And are they, they dating at this point? They were dating, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it was kind of like you know they didn't want to they didn't want the paparazzi or whatever. So you had to take them to this downtown wing, downstairs wing. So I'm in the elevator with the two of them and Eddie, my uh, my old security guard friend. And as we're going down, then uh, Cameron Diaz goes, "Why is it that I always have to fart in an elevator?" And Timberlake laughs hysterically, and he goes, "I always got to fart at the library." Oh God. And they both laughed for 14 floors down. Endless laughter. And you had to fake laugh, I'm sure. We, we, I looked over at the security guard and we kind of exchanged a look as if to say, boy, this isn't funny. And also a look that seemed to say, how often are you at the library, Justin Timberlake? <laughs> I was wondering that myself. I always got a fault when I'm at the li- But I saw, I saw the love. I saw that these p- two people were so dim-witted that they were in love with each other. And it was kind of sweet. Um, I mean, I, I think they're both talented, but two people I find, I mean, I couldn't think of two more boring human beings. Yeah, they were boring. On um, planet Earth. I, I don't know what to tell you. They, they were nice, pleasant, certainly, especially for two people that famous at that time. All right. But uh, Timberlake's bad in the movie. Uh, basically, Juno Temple and Winslet both lust after Timberlake. There's a sick aspect to it because she's married and, like, shouldn't be cheating, but she's trying to, like end their love relationship because she's into him um it's just kind of a sad slow boring depressing movie any good or no no it's not it's not good it's better than his old his amazon show which was to me the worst thing he's ever done i liked the amazon show upon second watch it took it took a second watch though a second watch it took a well that's not true not a second watch but i once i got past the second episode i started to like it because i was putting it on in my hotel yeah when i was on the road because i was like well this is so boring i'll just fall asleep right and then the third episode started and i started kind of laughing and i was like oh and then i actually started to like the story and thought there were some funny jokes i think you are the only one I think I am too. Yeah. There's a very funny joke where he has to jump from a rooftop to another rooftop and he goes, I I try never to jump anywhere where there's gravity. <laughs> it's not it's not funny. It's a funny joke. That's not a funny joke. It's a funny joke. There's a, a few joke attempts in this wonder wheel and then it's it's like clearly like the blow to the scene, but then like all through the next scene you're like was that even supposed to be a joke? He's look, the guy's in his eighties and he's yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't have the he doesn't bad. have the juice in the stick anymore, so to speak. It's his best looking movie he's ever done. He got the guy who shot like Apocalypse Now. Right. It's all shot in very cool colors and shit. It looks better than Match Point, because I thought Match Point was pretty stunning. No, this this is like a big budget just for the sets. Like you know, they right. dropped a bunch of money into it. It looks great, but it's a boring movie. Uh, one of Woody Allen's worst, for sure. That's a bummer to hear. All right. Well, uh, I know a lot of people are happy that it sucks. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so at uh, also right, want right. a, a brief appearance by our friend David Crumholtz. Yes, Davy Crumbs. Uh, I have no interest in seeing it. His last few films, I've just had zero. I I, I enjoyed the one with uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix enough. Irrational Man. Yeah, but I, I just I really too. Except when Parker Posey invited him up to smoke some grass. Yeah, yeah, that was ridiculous. Anyway, what did I see, Pat? I saw uh, just a wonderful film that I've celebrated for years. Got the Blu-ray, Smokey and the Bandit, 30th, I think, or maybe even 40th anniversary edition Blu-ray came out. I've only seen the Ridge. It's the only one worth seeing. The sequels are terrible. Okay. But the original, to me, is a is a fucking masterpiece. Jackie Gleason, arguably at his funniest. Yeah. Uh, and I th- I'm i a big Honeymooners fan, and f- I think few things are funnier than Jackie Gleason in the Honeymooners having like a goddamn meltdown. Sure. Uh, and looking like he's going to have a stroke. He's so angry. Right. But he, you could argue that he tops that in this. Um, but anyway, I got the Blu-ray, and it had on it a feature-length documentary called The Bandit, that was made two years ago or a year ago uh, that was just the story of the film, how they made it. Hmm. It was awesome. All right. Current contemporary interviews with Burt Reynolds talking about it. I remember that movie being advertised and then never knew it came out. I would love to borrow and and view, if I may. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Reynolds in the full, like, uh, 
you know, like bad toupee. Yeah, it's him mode. now. Like okay, the pencil yeah. thin mustache still. Yeah, yeah. And the, you know, there's a great thing with Gleason where he's where it's like an old interview and he's like, he's like, I said I was going to play this thing as <laughs> sideways as possible. Yeah. I mean, I'm a southern redneck cop and i got a pencil thin mustache it doesn't make any damn sense yeah yeah uh it's just a great documentary a lot of interviews with hal needham like talking about like why he made the movie and i won't ruin anything the story is actually really interesting like where he got the idea from and and burt reynolds in a time of desperately wanting to be like an oscar-winning actor like a serious actor Hal Needham was his roommate at the time. He was like, just come live with me. And they were like being like bachelor boys. Like in this Needham. Big- Folks, I barely knew him. <laughs> <laughs> in this big mansion together. And Needham's like, can you do this movie? And Burt Reynolds goes, it's literally the worst script I've ever read in my life. It's terrible. <laughs> he goes, but you're my friend. If you can get the money, I'll do it. You can uh-huh. use my name. He gets the money. At the same time, Reynolds gets an offer to play this villain. And in the interview clip, he says, I mean, the role had get the tuxedo out written all over it. And he goes, uh, what was the role? Do we know? He didn't say what it was. And he goes, but I didn't do it because I promised how. And like everybody else reinforces that thing in the movie. They're like, Burt Reynolds is an extremely loyal guy. And he promised Hal Needham he'd do this. So he did it. And then it turned out to be this huge fucking hit. It made like $250 million at the box office. That seems like the sort of thing where Reynolds would have said like he got a couple points on it and probably made an ass load of money. I would imagine so. Yeah. I would imagine so. I'll do you a picture. Yeah. But my favorite part in the documentary, he's Reynolds is doing an interview in the 80s and the reporter goes, Bruce, are you ever going to Bert or Bert? Excuse me. Bert, are you ever going to do some serious roles? Or are you just going to keep doing these little stunting roles that you do? Wow. Right? Uh, shots have been fired. Yeah. Doesn't lose it. Cool as a cucumber. Looks down at the ground. Takes a beat. Smiles. Looks up. And he goes, well, I am of the opinion that uh, 20 years from now, these little stunting roles, as you refer to them, will be looked upon as tiny pieces of art. <laughs> okay. What a fucking smooth comeback. Okay. And he's right. It's the people people swinging the man is a classic. It's a fucking classic. It's a it's a classic film. It's great. Yeah. Jerry a lot of Jerry Reed in the doc, uh not interviews, but just they talk about Reed like he was Christ. Like apparently he was the greatest guy in the world. And All right. It was just a really wonderful movie to watch. All right. I love it. Yeah. Um, I know you're going to get to your... Oh, and Sally Field, too, who I'm... I've never liked Sally Field. I love Sally Field. I don't know what it is. I've never liked her. I absolutely love her, and she's... But there's no interviews with her. I'm assuming she said no. I can't imagine they didn't approach her to do it. Uh, So that was a bummer, but um, but she's... That's uh, that's the movie where I fell in love with Sally Field. I was like, you know, marry me, please. Sure. Take me away from all this death. Sure. Yeah. She just seemed a little square for my taste. And I didn't like that you really like me, you really like me speech. Gross. Imagine some actress doing that now. You like me, you really like me. You, you can't come back from that. It's embarrassing. I like Field. I'm a big fan. All right. And I won't have you talk like this. I know you're getting to your sitcom in our, in our new segment, P.S. I Love You. <laughs> but I would like to talk about a couple sitcoms I've been watching. Mm-hmm. One, a revisit of my old, deep favorite, News Radio. Yeah. News Radio is one of the best written sitcoms of all time. Uh, it's an amazing ensemble. I can I realize watching it, it's like an inspiration to me, and I, just because I saw it at such a formative age. Uh, like, Seinfeld was kind of blowing the shit up. And news radio was like the classic, just like people in an office version, but like weird and shit. I got to tell you, I don't think I ever saw an episode where they weren't in that fucking radio office. They almost never leave. Yeah. And this it, it's never boring. The jokes are great. They're all character jokes. Show gets weirder and weirder as it goes. Phil Hartman, maybe one of the best vehicles the man ever had. Yeah. Bill McNeil. And, I'd give it Andy to that or, jing, or uh, Jingle All the Way. Wasn't he in Jingle All the <laughs> he Way? He was in Jingle All the Way, yeah. yes. 
You got Andy Dick. You got Joe Rogan, who I'm not a big fan of, but he, he fits right in somehow. Yeah, he's very funny on the show. Everybody's it's, Dave it's a very Foley, perfectly gr- cast show. Great guests, Maura Tierney. Everybody's great. It's funny as shit. And the commentaries are amazing because they just shit on NBC the entire time. Right. And if you want to find something great, look up Paul Sims, who was the creator of News Radio. Look up an interview he had with Rolling Stone as they were about to cancel News Radio. It's I'm going to have it framed. It's one of my favorite things I've ever read. Where he just is like, these fucking cocksuckers. Talking about <laughs> the network that has his show on the air. And he's like, you know, they put this shit sandwich on the air every Thursday night. They can't give us a goddamn break. It just goes on and on and on and on. And I'm going to have it framed. It's one of my favorite things I've ever seen. That's amazing. And they bring on the president of NBC at the time, Warren Littlefield, who Bob Balaban played on Seinfeld. Yeah. And they're like... And in the late shift. Yeah, that's right. They're like, did you know that you moved us 11 times around the net? Like, they they bring in these guests and then just, like, roast them. Good. They're like, no, no, no. No, shut the door. Why did you fuck our show in the ass? Like, yeah. it's it's fantastic. I love it. I think it's out of print probably because of all the controversial remarks, but I've had it forever. You can get the whole series of news radio for under 20 bucks on Amazon. Re- under 20? The entire five season. Oh, I got Including get that. the John Lovett's fifth season, which is not anywhere near as good because Phil Hartman was dead of course but is Lovitz still Lovitzy in the fifth season he's Lovitzy, and if it was a sh- if Hartman hadn't been there you wouldn't have minded right but it's All not right. as good oh and Steven Root of course Jimmy yeah, James Steven Root and then I always forget Steven the Root. red-haired lady's name but she's Vicky great. Lewis yeah ex-wife of Nick Nolte Nick Nolte I, knew, I didn't know that she's great she is great um Candy Alexander <clears throat> yeah she's very funny as let's well. take it on over to the new segment Oh, all right. Right? Sure, go ahead. Well, I like when you announce it. Oh, well, I mean, I I wasn't quite ready to leave Pat's movie corner. But, oh, oh, I thought you were saying um, you... I, I, no, I, I can th- be done. I got another sitcom, but I'll save it for the next step. Yeah, I got uh, Joe, well, I got one or two for the next step as well. Walk us over to P.S. I Love You Country. Perfect Strangers. I love I you. I love you. Uh, Pat, I'm going to be honest. I don't really have that specific of an episode to talk about this week because it has become a fever dream watching this thing. I'm sure. And we I need can to only... do a commentary on the finale. I assume there's an hour-long finale, and we should do a commentary on I'm it. I'm fine with that. All right, good. And I'm sure the listeners will be as well. Pat, I can only pray that your show lasts this long. That you start getting into plot lines like they've gotten into on this show. And there's just nothing else to explore. Yeah. Uh, The last episode I saw, a music mogul comes into the newspaper for some reason, discovers Balky, and says, you could be a a star, a music pop star. Okay. Cut to uh, Balky... As MC Balky B, oh, rapping. Oh no! Rapping in a like CNC Music Factory style video. So this, can you tell me, is this? I'm drowning in an ocean of your emotion potion. Does because he say that? Me and my sister used to sing that to each other, and it came from Perfect Strangers. I don't. I don't think he says it in the rap song. I don't remember if he does. Because here's why, Pat. Yeah. That sounds like a line that you'd play for laughs. Yeah. They play this entire song with Balky rapping and dancing with a chorus of women to no laughs. It's presented uh, seriously. Is he in hammer pants, I assume? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing. Then is he doing a questionable voice or his own accent? No, he's rapping as Balky. OK. Uh, they probably thought they were going to release this to radio. But absolutely. Way. It was like, you know, I don't know if you kids remember the Tales from the Crypt TV show from HBO. I'm sure you do. But they released the Crypt Jam, which was the Crypt Keeper rapping. It's a bonus feature on one of the seasons. As a joke, uh, two years ago, our dear friend James Pinkstone for Christmas gave me an out of print. And he told me this. It cost him $40. Uh, Tales from the Crypt Christmas album. Okay. Where it's the Crypt Keeper Tales rapping. from the Cryptsmiths, I hope? It, I don't think it's even called that, to wow. be honest. All I right. can't remember. <laughs> but... It's the Crypt Keeper, like, rapping. Uh, and I remember the worst song on it is called, uh, it's a it's a Jingle Bells parody, and it's called Juggle Bills. And it's the Crypt Keeper going, Juggle Bills, Juggle Bills, so much debt to pay. What? 
That's not even spooky. No. We listened to this thing. The night he gave it to me, it was me and Jim and our friends Scott and Jamie and Dan. We were all drunk and really stoned. We put this thing on. We were, I mean, we were on the floor. It was so bad. Juggle Bill. It was one of the, it's the worst, it's one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. All the right. entire album, I mean, and then that's the high point. Yeah. Anyway, here's the kicker with MC Balky B. You ready for this? Yeah. They're all excited. The video is going to be a big hit. Larry's his manager. They're all going to make millions of dollars. The whole thing. Larry wearing gold chains. No, nobody's okay. wearing gold chains or anything like that. They watch the premiere of the video on TV because for some reason the video is premiering uh, on TV. Yeah. And it's a Millie Vanilli thing. It's they've dubbed Balky's voice. So now he doesn't want to do it because he's like, I'm not doing this because it's lying. It's dishonest. And the mogul actually says this when they confront him. Balky, I didn't sign you for your voice. I signed you for your unique look. Wow. So you're supposed to believe that a music mogul, like <laughs> the Santa Claus guy that fucking uh, Celine Dion was married to, right. walks into a newspaper, sees Bronson Pinchot. I was thinking Frankie Sharp of Frankie Sharp Records in well, Wayne's World. Yeah, Frankie Sharp, Frankie Sharp, uh, uh, <laughs> or Trust Us Jones from CB4. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sees Bronson Pinchot and goes... 40-year-old Bronson Pinchot. Yeah, got to get this face out there for the kids. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember where it goes from there, Pat. Like I said, it's a fever dream at this point. I can't even tell what I'm remembering correctly at this. It's just... <laughs> the show's insane. The show and is fucking insane. Have you seen I'm Drowning in an Ocean of Your Emotion Potion? He I comes into the office singing so. it and thrusting. Yeah, yeah. It might have been like a number one hit where it's like a runner on the show that they all can't get the song out of their head or Well, that's something. a running gag on the show that they they always um they'll start many episodes with like Larry walks in and he's like, "Balky, I need to tell you something." And Balky's singing like, "Can't touch this." Okay. And then they, he forces Larry to break into a song and dance routine. They do that frequently. Yeah. And they'll do like a 2-minute Oh, if something works on Perfect Strangers, they did it again. Yeah, yeah. And again. I mean, and they're still going strong with the catchphrases. Every episode right. still. Oh, my Lord. Uh, I have a plan. Has started recurring more. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, of course, not don't be ridiculous. And it's, they're still not living in the house with the girls. Uh, no, still no house with the girls. Well, we need to watch the finale together. Let's do it. We will commentate. On the finale together. Right. Uh, let us know your thoughts on we'll that, bend, kids. Bend the format a little um, bit. And in fact, I just realized this is uh, the second episode for December, so we need to do shout-outs for Are the you? old Patreon folks. Well, you know, we haven't even gotten to the topic of the show. No, I know. I'm not saying, like, I'm going to do them right now. Oh, okay. I'm just saying it just popped in my head. As I said, when I said Balky's catchphrase, I remembered <laughs> gotcha. our Patreon contributor whose thing is don't be ridiculous. Yeah. Well, while you're looking that up, I will take us over to Joe's Scary Stuff because I have something. Uh-oh. I purchased the brand new, like came out a couple days ago, collector's edition, I believe Shout Factory edition of Scream Factory, excuse me, Misery. Oh, wow. Loaded with special feats. That's great. Reiner commentary, you know, documentaries, etc. I just started scratching the surface, but I did start the movie. They got a new 4K, whatever that means, print of this bad boy. It looks incredible. Um, what's the other thing better than 4K? There's a better than 4K now? Well, there's 2K, which I guess might not be better. No, but 2K is worse. So you, when you buy a 4K Blu-ray... Mm-hmm. Because this is just a Blu-ray, but it says it's a 4K transfer. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's a 4K disc, correct? Well, it means it's a 4K rendering of the film, and if you watch it on a 4K television, you're going to get the okay. best picture possible. So these 4K Blu-rays, I'm not, I'm not going to go up to them. Just I think Blu-rays look perfect as they are, but that would require me buying a new television and Blu-ray player, correct? It's Yeah, it's a lot. And it's probably horseshit. I have a 4K TV. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. It's all in what the movie is, and if you care enough about the... You know, there are certain things. I have, uh, for instance, a Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, which is an anthology horror movie starring the guy from um, uh, Reanimator. I'm blanking on his name right now. 
Even on VHS. It's like, that's a thing I don't want on. I don't want to see that. In, it's not available on Blu-ray. But my point is, is like, I wouldn't buy that on Blu-ray. Right. You know? But then I bought the Tarantino XX box set on Blu-ray because they all look, you know, it's fucking Tarantino. It's stunning. Sure. So, um, you know, I think it just depends on what you want. Some things that might be worth it. Others, not so I, much. I, Tend to not need better clarity than Blu-ray. It seems to be the top. Like, let's say you bought the Perfect Strangers or Mama's Family complete box sets. No point. I don't even think you'd need Blu-ray versions of those. You don't. You don't. No. So, yeah. These, my news radio uh, DVDs look like dog shit. Yeah. But that's kind of part of the charm to me. It's a sitcom. And there's boom mics in several scenes. (laughs) Oh. Oh. But anyway, Misery. I, I can't. We've. We've never done the movie on here, but I know we've talked about it a ton. It's one of my all-time favorite thrillers. Arguably the best Stephen King adaptation. I would say 100%. And and next um, to the, it's that or The Mist. It's probably Misery, though. Yeah. Shining? Uh, I, the Shining's great. I, I wouldn't count it as high up the list only because it's such a departure from the book. Right. Uh, as far as like true adaptations of a Stephen King thing that really hit all the beats, like I think part of it is being true to the book. Misery arguably which, cl- even classed up the book. Speaking of which, the movie. I just rewatched the It miniseries. Yeah. It's it's insane how much better it is than the new movie. We talked about it on the show. I know, but three like, months ago, I just watched it again, and I was like, "This is crazy how much better it is." I agree. And people are shitting on it and saying, Ugh, and shitting get, on us for saying we liked. It. Don't get me started. You, uh, you brought it up, John. You're right. Let me stop. <laughs> Maybe that's a new kit. The thing that people could say, let me finish <laughs> the. Uh, all right. So the misery. That's great. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's 20 bucks on Amazon. Very good. Um, Pat, I'm going to I'm going to tap out on Joe's scary stuff this week. Mm hmm. Uh. I don't really have anything. I'm sure okay. I could drum something up, but uh, well, it's nice sometimes for you to have one and me not to have one. Let's get to the film in hand, which is streaming on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, you can do a pause. Um, the movie is called The Fury. It's directed by Brian De Palma, and it's coming a couple years after his uh, horror breakthrough, Carrie. Mm-hmm. And Joe, I got to say, I, I had seen this movie when I was probably 12, 13, and I just watched it for the first time in however long that is, 20 years. It It's fine, but it pales so much in comparison to Carrie that it just kind of doesn't register at all. It's corny and... An important thing to note for those of you that haven't seen it, it's a horror. My horror, I think calling it a horror movie is a little strong, but it's considered a horror movie about telekinetic powers. Right. So you have to make the comparison. Yeah, he's dancing quite close to carry territory. Carry it, Tory. Carry Tory. Oh God! Do you ever turn it on? Carry <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tory, folks. The. Uh, I it, it, it's I agree with you. It's a bit of a snoozer. It's it's a real slow burn. Yeah. It's look. I think when De Palma does it right, he nails it. He's made some of my favorite films: Scarface, Carrie, The Untouchables. Watch the documentary. It, it's a fantastic documentary, De Palma, and it'll help you know where to start with his career. I mean, he's truly an incredible filmmaker. Yeah, he's one of those guys that can make shit. Really exciting just by virtue of the way he shoots it. That being said, when he's doing a slow burner, sometimes I'm not in the mood and I can't take it. Sure. I felt this way about Blowout. People say Blowout is like his finest film. I know people that say it's their favorite movie ever. I mean, Tarantino's I, I, favorite movie ever. Yeah, I was. I was. I love Blowout, but I, I wouldn't even put it in the top, you know, fourth of his career. So it's a very. This is a very slow film. Now, I will say this to its credit. Great cast. Kirk Douglas, uh, uh, Amy Irving. Kirk Douglas constantly shirtless. Yeah. And he's like 70. Yeah. He's like old man ripped where like yeah. there's still like just things hanging off of him. It made me Google Kirk Douglas. Yeah. So I was like, I think he's still alive. He is alive. He's 101 years old. Yeah. 
He looks insane. I mean, he's a 101 year right. old man, but he looks like the crypt keeper. He's still coherent, right? Like, you know, but uh, he, uh, which is which is pretty cool. But uh, anyway, Kirk Douglas, Amy Irving, uh, John Cassavetes, who is just tremendous to me. Amy Irving's really great in this movie. It made me wonder why. I feel like she wasn't in a lot of stuff. Like I'm like, she's a really good actor. Why was she not in more stuff? Well, or was she? And I just don't know. No, like if you watch that Spielberg documentary, I got the impression that Irving was almost kind of passed around and wound up like Spielberg's wife, and he kind of wanted to take her out of that world of coke fueled filmmaker parties and stuff. She was like going around and like hooking up a lot and stuff. I I might be reading too much into that. I know she wound up with Spielberg, but. It, it always seemed like she was dating around that camp. John Milius, Brian De Palma, uh, all those guys. Yeah, all the lookers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, she liked, you know, liked filmmakers or whatever. Yeah. And they start, this movie starts with like a 10-minute lingering close-up of her ass in a bikini. Um, it's interesting. To, I mean, she's obviously a beautiful woman, but it's interesting to notice how different the standard of women's bodies is. She has kind of like a soft mom-type body. It's wonderful. And we just opened this whole thing up with like this long, lingering shot of her ass while she's walking. This? Is it? No. This opens with the beach scene with Kirk Douglas and his son. And then it cuts right to the two of them walking down the beach. Okay. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. The, uh, but yeah, she's, she's, if it was now, no actress would ever show off this ass in a movie, is what I'm saying. I love it. She's, I I find it as well. Stunning. I loved it as well. The, uh, because I'm more open minded than you. Uh, I'm commenting on societal changes. That's yeah. what everybody says when they make remarks like that. They go, no, it's a commentary on the way people are. Uh, no, I'm kidding, of course. But uh, the, uh, uh, the great cast. Great cast. Some great moments. It's always fun to see John Cassavetes to play a bad guy. Like, it's... it's uh, you get to see him explode, if that interests you. Yeah, that was great. That was a hell of an ending. I like that they didn't try to go past that ending. No, the ending is tremendous. The last 20 minutes are a fun romp. It becomes yeah. like a crazy telekinetic fucking freak show thing. And everybody's going nuts. And there's a lot of blood. And it's a lot of fun. The rest of the movie is a little uh, uneven. Uh, but I will say this. As far as all the De Palma movies are concerned, it is the most Hitchcockian of the De Palma movies, in my opinion. Um, no way. Well, here's why. I'll say why. Go on. It reminds me very much of like the 39 steps or some of the earlier, not earlier, but you know what I mean? Older Hitchcock stuff where there are moments of like whimsy. There are comical moments. There are moments of dread. There are dramatic moments. It really hops around. And it doesn't. You mean like Dennis Franz driving him around town in the cab? Yeah, yeah, stuff you, like were that. Were you LOLing throughout that stuff? Well, I mean, that's supposed to be funny when he's it got was. the two. When well, well, not the Dennis Franzen, but the well, that, but the, you know, the thing where he's got the cops in the car and the cops are scared, and he's that was Dennis Franz. Oh, that was he was one of the cops. Yeah, he does. Remember, he, he treasures his car, and then it goes off the yeah. pier, and yes. then like, Ooh. and that's I was I thought you said cab, so I got confused. Anyway, that's like supposed to be comical and, you know, and then like obviously uh, John Cassavetes exploding is not. No. Um, so, you know, it it just reminded me of some of those older Hitchcock things like uh, like uh, uh, t- what's the one torn? Is it called torn? Torn curtain. curtain. Yeah, like torn curtain. And, you know, they would get like sort of goofy and like light and then they would get super heavy and have right. things about murder in them or whatever. Um, it's not a bad flick. Well shot. I think it's a long way around the, the 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 road there to get to the point. It's a very convoluted plot, in my opinion. Like, you've got CIA operatives. You've got... It's a stupid plot. Yeah, you've got kidnapping. You've got telekinesis. There's a lot going on. It's like, this would have been a lot easier if it was just like, Kirk Douglas wasn't in the CIA. Yeah. His son was telekinetic. The CIA abducts his son. They make it clearer. The reason's clearer why they're abducting the son. And then it goes from there. But instead, it's like the CIA betrays Kirk Douglas, and then Kirk yeah. Douglas is on the outs, and then he's hiding from them, but then he's dating the lady that works at the hospital where the kid is because he needs to get to the kid. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of shit too going much. on. And they're, they're, the first half is like way too many hijinks. It was just kind of stupid, I thought. Uh, the Charles- John Williams uh, score... It's great. 
Yeah. Always it, good to see John Williams in a non-Spielberg thing. Well, it's funny because there were moments there were moments where I would forget it was John Williams. Yeah. And I'd be watching it and I'd be like, oh, man, that almost sounds like a Star Wars riff. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's John Williams. Yeah. Um, so, you know, check it out. Uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't it's, say it's run, to the, run to the Netflix and turn it on right now. Certainly see Carrie first. Another uh, certainly top tier Stephen King adaptation. Uh, I did see an interview once with John Cassavetes where he was bitching about the current state of cinema. Sure. And he goes every interview with him. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, and you go to the movies now and it's just the, the, uh, the gunshots and a man's the blood splattering on the walls. And this is entertainment. Yeah. And I was like, wow, he's really not into violence in movies. But then this movie, he literally explodes and blood splatters. And I was like, is he talking about the fury? His head in slow motion falls back into the camera. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, people are hypocrites. I, <laughs> I don't want to blow your mind, folks, but people in Hollywood tend to be hypocrites. Ladies and gents, that's our Fury episode. Check me out, Joe DeRosa Comedy, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Penthouse Com, you let me down. Check me out at the Patrick Walsh on Twitter and Instagram. Also, finally, as of Friday, received an air date from my television show starring Joe DeRosa called Living Biblically. And it premieres on February 26th after the Winter Olympics at 9.30 p.m. Check it out. And here come our shout-outs, Patty. Thank you so much to the Patreon contributors, to all the fans, and uh, everybody supporting the show. Derek Clark, Jenna, Anthony V, Menato, a.k.a. Party McFly, Philip Rashad, John Wolt, Justin Bohager, Nate Roundtree, Adam Bembenek, Mindy Manny Rios, Demonio Rubio, Brandon Gash, Edmund Agabo, Paul Pickerel, Picker, Pickery, Pickerel, Jake Farot or Farrett, Tyler Watson. Guys, these are really tough names tonight, man. This is. These are these are some tough ones, man. Tyler Watson brought you to your knees. Well, it's but because it, it's with a Z, it's W A T Z I N. All right. So when you see that at first glance, it throws you a little bit. All right. Not making fun of your names, folks. Just want to make sure we get them right. Chris Lind, Jake Bullock, Tony Quinn, Rob Lines, Danny Rudd, Jacob Barrett, Jordan C, Maxwell Ashcroft, Ryan Kohler, Joshua Christensen. Barbara Allen, Jonathan Face, Rebecca Cohen, Smelly Bubbles, Chris Bowen, Mike Gibbons, Donye Joyce, Michael Dawson, Jennifer Smith, Luke Henderson, Hader Ismail, Nick Walther, Lee Vaughn, Don't Be Ridiculous, Connor Dennehy, Michael, Stephen Copa, Koopa, Kalpa, Kevin Swistowitz, Thomas Coza, Anthony J. Guajardo, Annie Johansson. No, Annie Johannesson. Excuse me. Timmy K. Sean Florin, Dol- Dolores Martinez, Will Foley, Megan Librand, Scott Blickensderfer, Alec Walker, Brett Werner, Tristan Carlson, Laura Sexton, Anthony Guajardo. Did I already say him? Maybe he contributed twice. I don't know. I feel like I already said that name. I don't know. Brett Klinkner, Alex Lowe, Weston Thomas. Oh, boy. Uh, this one's always tough. Havidiold. This is the one where he said, believe it or not, it's pronounced Smith. Yeah. All right. Weston Thomas. You know what we're trying to say, buddy. Shout out to you, man. I don't know how to say the name. I'm sorry. Jared Blair, Josh Smallridge, Richie Verdugo, Chris Hopper, Emily Rosenbaum, Emily Florence. Hi, Emily. Sean L., Jordan Parker, Dave Comerick, Abby Manuel, Kim D'Angelo, Jonathan Gellett, Pat's Tijuana Handmaiden. <laughs> I think that's for you. Mm-hmm. He's saying that he's or she's saying whoever it is saying that they're your handmaiden. I got to get back to Tijuana. Carla O., Mike Wills. Uh, that is Wills. Yeah. Stephanie Power, Hunter McDonald, Sterling Abrigo, 
Giron Sanderson, Diego Campos, Stefan Musau, Zoe Blazkovic, Edmund Dillon, Aisley Kivinsland, Dan McLeod, Lorenz Bunganiers, or Bunganers, Alejandro Saladgado, Papa Spoosh, Tegan McLeod, Matthew Little, Tracy Reddington, Sean Thomas, Amanda Alzamora, Jason Weeble, or Weeble, but they don't fall down, Michael Curry, Drew Spindler, Andrew, Co- Andrew Covell, Sam Mitchell, Aaron Milanowski, Scott Nolan, Jack Gertz, Greg Sorensen, Benjamin Tahia, Misty Zavar, Brandon Nock, Dajne Wilford, Johnny Ferg, Matthias Paguay. Oh, he even put the pronunciation in there. Matthias Pal- Paljo. I think I Paljo? But Matthias Paljo. Thank you for the pronunciation. Superfan Giovanni, Michael Gold, Danielle Dewar, Eric Lamora, Michael Madrigal. Go to his record store in uh, Mr. Shoot Records in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Stephen Reese, Walter Keegan, Kevin Merkinick, Erica Banning, Lawrence Anderson, Jared Smallridge, Zach Schoendorf, Will Potorf, Natalie Craig, Nathan Basket, Anthony, Kyle Kinsland, Brooke Adams, the man whose name we cannot say, Ani Babaduck, Scott Palin, nope, sorry, Scott Patton, excuse me, Reed Aesthetic, Brian, whew, Brian Bolarier, or Bularier, Barbima, Emily Marvell, Robert Pearson, Boring Dan Clark, Michael Ayo, Max Unrath, Heighton Davidson, Brian England, and John Weissengruber. Thanks, everybody. Take care. That was a HeadGum Podcast.